Christmas, church. It is so good to see all of you. If you are new with us, we love it that you're here. Uh, my name is Tim. I'm the lead pastor here. AC said it earlier. The, the best way we can describe our church to you, if you are new, is that we are imperfect people. No matter how much we dress nice tonight or maybe dressed out of the ordinary and, and look and we cleaned up, right? We cleaned ourselves up. We shaved, some of us, you know. Uh, we're imperfect. We're a lot less spiritual than we look. Uh, we're imperfect people. But we have encountered, we have been moved by the perfect love of Jesus Christ. And that's who we just got through singing about. That's who I'm gonna preach about. And that's who we invite you to to love and to live like and to lead others to. Not just on Christmas Eve, but but every day of the year. And so we're so glad you are here. We, We love it. Kids, we love it that you are in the room. Can we give it up for our kids? Yeah. Yeah, thanks for waving kids. Hey, kids. And uh, because our kids are in here, I, I, I want to start with some fun, maybe start a fight. I don't know. We're going to see what happens. We are going to, right now, in this moment, we are going to determine the best Christmas movie of all time. And some of you are thinking, Tim, how are we going to do this? It's going to be very scientific. It's going to be with your applause to a very incomplete list, Okay. And so, and you're going to think, well, I'm going to put a picture on the screen and uh, you're going to just need to applaud to that one. And you're going to think, but Tim, I don't know the whole list. Just go with your gut. Okay. So you're going to applaud to the extent that you think this is the best Christmas movie ever. Go with the first one, guys. A Christmas Story. Okay. That was kind of weak, to be honest with you. Second one, the classic animated Rudolph. A little bit more, a little bit more. And then the last one, Clark Griswold and Christmas Vacation. I thought, I thought there were some sinners in the room and there are, hey, we we could have gone like a lot more. Some of you are like, what about Elf? What about It's a Wonderful Life? What about Miracle on 34th Street? Listen, I got to preach a sermon. We ain't got time for all that, okay? But, but here's what I, I would say is um, because I'm on stage and I got a mic, here's the best, actual best, undisputed best Christmas movie of all time. We have a clip. Watch the screen. But geez, you guys give the worst goddamn wake-up calls. Frank, do you have the tickets? I've got them. Here's your family's. I've got my family. How many do you have? Uh, seven. Seven? Fourteen. Seven? Eight? Nine? Ten? How come none of us are sitting together? At this time of year, we're lucky to get on the same plane. Eleven. Twelve. Thirteen. Where's Kevin? Fourteen. It's a good thing I have my own ticket, just in case you guys try to ditch me. Movie of all time, Home Alone. Okay, glad we could decide that tonight. Tell your friends, it's all been decided. No more debates, okay? 
Uh, no, I, I love Home Alone uh, for this reason. It shows vividly how, how easy the, the beauty of Christmas can turn into the chaos of Christmas, right? And I think many of us right now, we're, again, we're at Christmas Eve service and it, it's a special night. It's a peaceful night. We're singing and everybody's got a smile on their face. But I think many of us, we're very in tune with the chaos of Christmas. Like even just in the shopping, and I mean, you know, like the shopping for the, the gifts and the fun stuff, but I mean also the annoying stuff. Like just two days ago, my family and I, we had to shop for a dryer because our dryer went out. That, that's not in the Christmas spirit. That's not supposed to happen, but, but it, it did. And, and the partying, even as fun as our Christmas parties are, I mean, you got to find the right white elephant gift. And do you get like a, a gag gift or you get a nice gift? Do you keep it under $20? Do you try to step in and like, hey, I got you the, the AirPods, you know, just like, what, how do you navigate that? And, and even just the working, I mean, it's Christmas season and many of us, we do get a vacation, but it's the end of the year. How many of you got deadlines, right? And you're, you're working harder than you are normally in the midst of this season. And it feels a little bit chaotic, the traveling. Some of you are traveling to see people that, that share your last name, but, and you love them, but you don't like them. <laughs> and you got to get out a pallet and sleep on the floor with them. And don't, don't look down to your family members, like just keep your eyes focused on me, okay? But we know it can be a little chaotic with, with family. And listen, I know we got so many other things that can just feel chaotic in this season. And some of it is just like the seasonal stuff. But, but the reality is this, I know for some of you, it's in your soul. That there's some chaos right now in your soul. That you know you're supposed to be happy, that Christmas is the best time of the year, it's magical. But right now, there's some, some sin in your life. There's some sickness in your life that you don't quite understand. There's a diagnosis that, that you're not sure how to navigate. There's, there is some strife in your relationships and your marriage. And you have some chaos in your own soul. And the reality is that, that Christmas speaks to that. And, and what I want to do just for a couple of moments tonight is I want to see how does God in the midst of Christmas, in the midst of Christianity, what, what does God say about our chaos how does he redeem it? How does he replace it with Christ? And we're gonna look at a very familiar story, Luke 2. You can look on the screen with me, Luke 2, one through seven. And I know this is a familiar story. It could be easy just to glaze over it, but I want you to look for some detail. We're gonna see some chaos as Christ comes to the earth, but how he redeems the very chaos that he came into. Let's look at it together. Luke chapter two, it says this. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world or the Roman world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, or the person he was engaged to who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Our sermon title is Simple Faith in Chaotic Times. 
Luke gives us a lot of detail. He, he's a medical doctor. He's a researcher. He's done his homework. Even today, atheists, secular people will reference the gospel account of Luke as a historical account. And we see it here. We, we, we don't get anywhere in here in a land far, far away, right? We don't get once upon a time. And we get very specific details of, of real people in a, a real place. We get leaders, Right? You saw the, the Roman emperor, Caesar Augustus, the, the governor of Sirius, Quirinius. We, we see location. And we don't just see like a one a city. We, we see regions, right? We get the region of Judea. The city of Bethlehem was in that region. We get the region of Galilee. The city of Nazareth was in that region. And Joseph and Mary, as we just read, go from Nazareth to Bethlehem, and we get all these specific details about leaders, location. We even get lineage. We even get ancestry, before ancestry.com. And we get Bethlehem. What is it? The city of David. Why does he give us that? We see Joseph was a descendant of, of David because Joseph was a, a real person, and he had parents, and their parents, and their parents, and it traced all the way back to the Old Testament to King David. And Luke sets all this up. And, and I think many times we look at that story, maybe we miss those details, but maybe we also try to paint this story as just a cute nativity scene, right? Many of us, we, we have a nativity scene on our mantle. Some of you, you went big and you had the inflatable in your yard, right? Some of us, you know, your Christmas tradition is to watch the Charlie Brown Christmas. We did that today. It was great. And it's all, it's, it's very cute, but if you actually look at the true story of Christmas, it's actually pretty chaotic if you pay attention to the details. There's chaos just with Mary. And many of you know, Mary was, was a, a, a virgin. She had never had sex before. She was a teenage virgin. She wasn't like 35 years old with a halo around her head, despite what you may have seen in paintings. She was a teenage virgin and she got pregnant. That's chaos, right? And it's not just that. Like, she wasn't married. She was engaged, which was frowned upon at the very least in that society. And yet the baby wasn't her engaged fiance's baby. It was the Holy Spirit's baby. Not chaotic at all, right? And this is, can you imagine Mary and Joseph's conversations? Like, hey, okay, so God did this, <laughs> And now we're about to raise God. His name's Jesus. And like there's something Trinity going on there. And, and, and like Mary's a teenager. It's chaos. As you look at their, their travel, Mary was pregnant, but had to do a 90-mile four-day hike from Nazareth to Bethlehem on foot. Now, this is one of those things too. Like in all of our pictures and paintings, we see like a donkey, but the scripture doesn't tell us they have a donkey. It just says they went on foot. It just says they walked. And Mary's pregnant. How, how many of you know that doesn't go well? That's chaotic, right? Even the chaos continues. It doesn't stop when they get to Bethlehem, right? There's no room in the inn. And some, some translators translate that a little bit differently, uh, but it's the concept of they didn't have a room to stay in. There was no sleep number bed available. Right? Most likely, Jesus was born in a stone trough. 
at the lower level of somebody's home. Maybe they were staying upstairs and they would bring the animals in at night. That's why we think of a stable and there was probably a stone trough and there was not a good smell. It was chaos. And yet this is Christmas. Cute, nativity scene, Charlie Brown, Christmas. And it's chaos. And this is how God became man. And this is how God came to the earth. God, the one who created the the stars in the sky and and numbered every single one of them, the one who created you, who, who put a muscle in your chest the size of your fist to keep you alive. God came into the earth like this, in the midst of chaos. You see, this is what's so amazing to me about Christmas and why I can never get over it. I've preached this Christmas story lots of times. I've heard it lots of other times, but, but I can't get over that, that God wasn't just still moving in the midst of the chaos. He was fulfilling promises that he had made from the very beginning, that he would come, that, that a rescuer would come to bring peace. That's what we see in Micah chapter five, that, that one would rise up out of Bethlehem, that specific location to be our peace, to be our shalom, our soul-centered peace, that everything around you could be chaotic and yet you internally could have peace and rest in your very soul. That's being fulfilled right here in the midst of this chaos. We see in 2 Samuel 7 that a descendant of David would never cease to be on the throne, that this child, this baby would also be a powerful king who would reign forever, that that he wouldn't be constrained by, by terms of a presidency, that he wouldn't be biased towards a political party, that he would never abuse his power, but he would rule lovingly and justly for all of eternity. That's being fulfilled in the midst of this chaos. That in Luke chapter one, this promise that's given to Mary that, hey, you are going to raise the son of God. He is going to be a savior. His name is Christ. He's the Lord. And he's gonna rescue people. Jesus literally means saving people from sin. He's gonna rescue people from their disease that they cannot heal themselves. Jesus Christ is going to be born and he's gonna save people and rescue them out of death into life, and it's going to happen through chaos. See, God's promises are being fulfilled in this chaotic time. Now, why does that matter to you and to me? Here's just a few things. One reason is this. God may remove your chaos, but if you trust in him, he'll always redeem it. God may decide to remove your chaos, But if you trust in him, he'll always redeem it every single time. And that may be in eternity. Some of you are like, Tim, how is this cancer going to be redeemed? It may be redeemed in eternity. It may be redeemed tomorrow. We don't know God's plan. His ways are not our ways. But I promise you, here's a pastoral promise that I get from Scripture. God will redeem your chaos. Whatever it is. Maybe it is that sickness. Maybe it is the the details of your marriage right now that you don't want to get into. Maybe it is that, that debt. Maybe it is that difficult situation at work that, that you're still navigating even as we go into the holidays. Maybe it's your relationship with your child that you don't know how to solve. Maybe they're not here with you tonight. And you don't know how, to, how God's ever going to redeem that. It seems like a lost cause. But if you trust in him, 
as we look at the Christmas stories, we look at the Bible, God will redeem it if you submit it to him, if you surrender it to him. We see as we go into 2024, many of you, uh, like me, we're going to make some goals, right, that are typically associated around our, our physical health, our finances, our relationships, and some boundaries we need to put in our life. And a lot of us are going into 2024 with some hopes and some dreams. Come on. Like, it's going to be the best year yet. Like, I'm going to, and most of the, the goals that we have, including mine, are to remove some chaos from our life. Like financially, I want to remove that debt from my life. Like relationally, I want to remove that conflict from my life. Like all these, I want to remove some of the conflict and chaos from my life. And let me just tell you, there is still going to be some chaos in 2024. I hate to break it to you. Like if 2020 taught us nothing else, like there's just going to be some curveballs. And here's what will make your 2024 successful. It's not if you have chaos or if you don't. It's if you submit your chaos to the Lord. We're going to start a new series. Yeah, amen. Yeah. We're going to start a new series called Pray First in the new year, January 7th, to submit our chaos to the Lord. It's going to be called Pray First in our our need, our joy, our pain, all our circumstances. We're going to give you a prayer guide that's written by some leaders in our church. We're going to start 21 days of prayer and fasting to submit all the good things, all the beauty, but also all the chaos of our year to the Lord. And we're going to start out that way. If you come January 27th, we're going to give you that prayer guide. And we're going to journey through this with you together. And listen, the prayer guide is not free, but we're giving it to you if you come on January 20, January 7th, because it's that important to submit all of our lives unto God. Here's the second way this matters to us is that we see God's purpose and peace in our lives isn't contingent on our lack of chaos, but the coming of Christ. You need to know, as you look at your year ahead, as you look at the one that you just left behind, that God's blessing, hear me, God's blessing, God's favor is not contingent upon your lack of chaos. God's blessing, God's favor is dependent entirely on the coming of Christ. That as we look at the Bible, I know some of you are new to the Bible. Some of you don't really go to church. You're here with the family, somebody brought you. As you look at the Bible, you need to know it's different from every religious book that's out there. Most religious books were written by one author in one lifetime. The Bible is different than that. It was written by 40 plus authors over 1500 years. It's 66 books. And it's all communicating this story, this thread of God coming to us. And yet it shows all the times that we try to unsuccessfully work our way to him. Over and over through the Bible, we're trying as hard as we can to climb that ladder to God. And over and over, God has to come to us. It's The Christianity religion is different than every other religion that you've heard about. This is the story, and this is our favor, and this is our success. It's God coming to you, not your chaos being removed. The last thing that we learn from this story and the chaos is that God's not scared of yours. God's not scared of your chaos. Do you ever think about this? God, God sees all your chaos, like all the stuff you try to hide, God, God sees it all. He sees the stuff in your marriage. He sees your, your bank account. He sees how you're not generous. He sees all of the chaos. And many of us, we think as God sees our chaos, he must move away. And we got to work our way back to him so he comes near. Because he sees all your mess. And this is the reason, if we're honest, some of you are like, Tim, this is why I don't come to church. 
except on Christmas Eve. Because I got a lot of mess and chaos in my life and I know God's not happy with me and I got to get myself right. I got to clean up my act to come to him so he can accept me. And what the gospel says is quite the opposite, that in the midst of your chaos, he sees it all, all the parts that you're trying to hide. He sees it all and he doesn't move away. He moves toward We see it in the birth. He moves toward the chaos. He wasn't born in a palace. He was born in a stable on a stone trough with smelly, stinky animals. He moves toward the chaos in his birth. As he sees it all, he moves towards it. He moves toward the chaos even in his death. As he's betrayed, as he's abandoned by his closest friends. That ever happened to you? Like your God experienced that. He experienced that chaos. He was crucified next to two criminals, even though he was without sin in his birth, in his death. He doesn't move away from the chaos. He moves towards it. He moves towards you. Even though he sees it all, he comes and he says, yeah, I want all of it. I want all of it. And I'm gonna redeem all of it for my glory and your good if you will trust me. See, friends, that's the invitation tonight. Amidst all the shopping and the traveling and the the working and the moving and the singing, the invitation is simple faith in chaotic times. To trust God with all the chaos of your last year. To trust God with all the foreseen chaos that's coming. That guess what? This is good news, people. It's not unforeseen to God. He sees it all. He sees it coming. All the curveballs that are coming for you. And we get the honor of entrusting it to him. I love that we see Mary in Luke chapter one. She gets this this grand chaotic prophecy promise that she's gonna have a baby and he's gonna, you know what he's gonna be? The son of God. And she's a teenage virgin. And I love her response. She says, hey, I'm your servant. Let it be, let it be. And we don't see the chaos stop for Mary. It continues, right? We just talked about it. But we see God redeeming the chaos, working through the chaos. And that's the invitation before you today. Listen, I I was experiencing this this chaos just a couple days ago. The chaos is we had to replace our dryer amidst Christmas season. The chaos is, is our pool turned green in the cold. How does one do that? How is that possible? Well, we clean our own pool. That's how that's possible. And we had to drain our pool. Our kids are running around skateboarding and it's a great time actually. God's redeeming the chaos. And in the midst of all those things, my my dad, who many of you know has had cancer, he's cancer free, but he had to have this procedure on, on Wednesday, like the Wednesday before Christmas. And they sent us pictures. He has this big incision in his neck as they try to reactivate his, his vocal cords after other surgeries that he's had for his cancer. And I was in the midst of all that. And to be honest with you, I was trying to work on this sermon that I was going to preach to you great people. And it was feeling like a bit of chaos. My kids had, two of my kids had finals for the first time ever. A little bit of chaos. And I was trying to work on this sermon and it wasn't, it wasn't going that well. And I just, I put on some worship music as I do often while I'm prepping to preach. And this song came on by Maverick City Music. And it just had this phrase in it that said over and over and over that he's not done with you yet. He's not done with you yet. There's so much more to the story. There's so much more to the story. 
as I was looking at my chaos surrounding me, I just thought, okay, God, (laughs) there's more to what I see. There's more than what I see. You're working your purposes and your promises and your plan amidst all the chaos. And they gave me hope and they gave me confidence and that gave me a sermon to preach to you that God's gonna use, we hope, right? So in the midst of your chaos, you need to know there's more to the story. Do you know that? There's more to the story. He's not done with you yet. You think he's moving away. You think he's done and he's not. And Christmas reminds us of that truth. Will you trust him? Man, it's like the gifts you're gonna receive at Christmas. What do you have to do with a gift? You gotta unwrap it. It's available to you, but you gotta unwrap it. That's what trust is. That's what faith is. That's the opportunity before us right now. Simple faith in the midst of chaotic times and a God who never changes and who works through all the chaos for his glory and your good. Amen? Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I thank you for this truth this morning amidst the chaos that you work, you redeem. God, you replace chaos with Christ. And God, I just pray for the men and women and even the kids across this room. God, as we, as we light these candles in a moment, that we would be vividly reminded of your light breaking through our darkness and chaos. God, that we would be reminded that you, you love us in the midst of our chaos. Not a, not a future version where everything, all the chaos is cleaned up and everything's perfect in the new year, 2024. God, you love us right now in the midst of our chaos. And you're drawing us to yourself and you're calling us to trust you. And so God, I pray that we, we would, as we light these candles, as we, as we sing a song, God, that we would, we would trust you with all the chaos in our life and know that you can handle it, that you move towards us, that you can heal it, that you can rescue us from it. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.